Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Hey everybody, welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Brian. And I'm Will. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons, from silent cellars to celestial circles. And today we're talking about centaurs again. Hey, Brian. Hey, Will. How are you doing today? I'm good. I, how are you? I'm doing really good, yeah. That's excellent. Yeah, we're getting some sunshine after all this rain. I know. it's <laughs> uncharacter- It was some uncharacteristic Southern California weather for and us. I, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed there was it ice much. outside. What? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, you know, um, a lot of stuff happened since the last time we recorded. So it's I, true. A lot's if, gone if down. If you're suffering because of the weather, we, ho- we hope you're okay. Yes, absolutely. That's absolutely right. Um, so today we are going to be revisiting, revisiting Centaurs. I want to call this the Theros edition of the Centaurs uh, topic. But before we do that, real quick, I want to make an announcement. Um, I have a brand new podcast coming out with my good friend Tom. It is called Dude, Could You Imagine? It's a show where we tackle hypothetical questions such as, what if Pokemon were real? What if you never needed to sleep? And what if you found a suitcase with $1 million in a dumpster? Together, Tom and I really dig into these serious questions and come up with definitive answers. If you enjoy the banter on this show, please go check out my new one. It's a ton of fun, and we would love to hear your guys' feedback. Um, That's Dude Could You Imagine. You can find us on Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, or anywhere podcasts can be found. And you'll find all the links to these in the description. But let's get back to Centaurs. Yeah, the sequel to Centaurs. Centaurs Centaurs 2. Centaurs 2. Centaurs again. Centaurs, Dead Man's Chest. (laughs) So I I like Dead Man's Chest. Just Me I too. like it better than the third one. I uh, know okay. that is a controversial That's a toss opinion. Up, yeah, for sure. People like the first one and the third one usually more than the second one. But well, I love the second one. You can't have the third one without the second one. It's true, but I'm just saying I think Dead Man's Chest is a good movie. I like the fight scenes in Dead Man's Chest. Yes, yes, absolutely. Okay, it's back to the, the Empire Strikes Centaurs. Exactly. <laughs> So today we are revisiting the equestrian race of centaurs. On our last centaur episode, which was literally a million years ago, we discussed the Greek origin of the centaur, how that was a major influence of the D&D centaur, and then elaborated on the centaur as it was introduced in the monster manual, essentially as a monster. 
Yeah. But since then, the Centaur has been released as a playable race, specifically in the Ravnica and Theros settings. And since the Leonin episode we did earlier this uh, year, I have fallen in love with everything Theros. Um, and so have all of you, it seems. <laughs> Indeed. Um, so today we're going to cover the Centaurs of Theros, of the Theros setting, and cover the racial stat block as well. Now, the racial stat block for the Theros Centaur and the Ravnica Centaur are identical and can be used without issue for any D&D campaign as well. Um, we will save Ravnica Centaurs for our more Ravnica-centered episodes, since the lore in Ravnica is much more centered on the city of Ravnica and its gills rather than any given race that is playable within its setting. That'll be um, um, Return of the Centaurs. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, any questions before we get into the Centaurs of the Mythic Odysseys of Theros? Uh, any any questions before questions about centaurs or like what we're doing here today? You think we question about anything, man? I'm gonna save my questions for for a time okay. for a time where for I later. have them. Yeah, for later I don't have any. Okay. Yeah, I want to okay, know more good. about uh, Theros and yeah. Theros centaurs. All right, well, let's get into it. So centaurs in the Theros setting, much like any other setting, uh, they are portrayed in our half humanoid and half equestrian in appearance with their upper body being the humanoid half and the lower body being a, a horse. Or the other way around, whatever. <laughs> Unlike other settings, they seem to come in a bit of a smaller size. Centaurs in the Forgotten Realms are size category large creatures that tend to stand around seven feet tall and weigh approximately 2,100 pounds. While Theros centaurs are size category medium, they average between six to seven feet uh, of height and are only four feet in length. Um, they weigh anywhere from 600 to 2,000 pounds. This is basically just a disparity between a monster and racial stat block. Right, um, okay. It, funnily enough, it reminds me of the early Final Fantasy games on the Super Nintendo, where your character sprites are these little, like, chibi things. Yeah. But whatever monsters you're fading are, facing are giant. L- large including chibi if you're fighting other humans. Yeah. Which are just giant, elaborate art pieces while you're this little chibi, like, 8-bit thing. That's kind of so, interesting. Um, but anyways, a Wizard of the Coast does not want anyone playing a large character for some reason, and thus playable centaurs are size category medium. Otherwise, they are identical to classic D&D centaurs. Yeah, uh, a Komodo dragon slash basilisk is like where we're landing for medium. If you're in that, I guess so, that's yeah. a medium. Yeah, we 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 were unsure about that. I just I think the monster manual basilisk looks huge, but it's just a, it does. Uh, it's it a looks so thing. chonky. It but does, yes, yes. Chonky we didn't. It wasn't like next to a fucking tree or yes. whatever. We didn't have any perspective. True. You're just standing there. Yeah, we just no had this data, and we're like, that's a lot of weight. And look at how thick its legs are. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> so while the centaurs you are uh, likely more familiar with tend to be reclusive nature dwellers with her travel lifestyles, Theros centaurs are very much involved with the immediate world around them and its peoples and cities, uh, sometimes in a diplomatic and social fashion, and at other times in um, more vi- along more violent means. Um, powerful and curious, quick to act, and knowledgeable of the wider world, centaurs seek to experience life's boundless bounty in the world of Theros. Yeah, I remember them being super territorial in, uh, in certain ways, like you didn't want to kind right. of... Territorial, but also like nomadic and roaming so like yeah you had two flavors you have the ones that like like to roam the flames and leave them alone because they'll fucking kill you right and then you have the ones that like to live away from everyone in the forest and you leave them alone because they'll fucking kill you yeah whether it's a stationary <laughs> territory or a moving territory yeah. that moves with them yeah, exactly they don't want to talk to you out. Right. about anything ever they were neutral i think not evil. very neutral yeah. yeah and i would say both of these uh types of centaurs that we're going to talk about today there's two um Fall within the the general neutral category. I, I think it's more along the lines, actually, of like any given race in D anD. d It's like there are a, a whole people, and there's all kinds of people that come from them. Yeah, they have their own social structures and they politics, do. so yes. they don't really want to deal with you if they don't have to. 
Right. Well, with these ones, they do deal with people. We'll get into it. Yeah, we're going so, to the Theros now. Yeah, we're in Theros now. So the centers of Theros are divided into two major societal groups or bands, uh, members of the far-traveling mercantile Lagona Band and the proud raiders and warriors of the Ferris Band. These two bands occupy neighboring territories situated between the three major human polis of Akros, Meletus, and Setessa, making them common sites to those who travel in human lands. These lands are wide, rolling, hilly plains that stretch between the Katachthon Mountains nice. and the deep forest of Nessian Wood. For reference to our Leonin episode, this is to the south of Oreskos, the land of the lion folk. Um, not once to settle in permanent homes, though. Centaurs might be found wherever there are wonders to be witnessed and adventures to be had. Just, you know, they're, they're all over the place. It's just uh, like this is where they're concentrated. I like including the adventuring in the description. There. Yeah, that's cool. You get quite a few little uh, adventure hooks with with some of the descriptions in Theros. Like, yeah, yeah, they're like this, but technically this could happen and it would cause you to leave. Yes. So, yeah, that's what we did. I, I like the Tabaxi episode for mm-hmm. that. Um, but they didn't have enough of it. Man, I barely remember the tabaxi episode. Man, right. I... I, uh, I have well, to go back and listen to it again. Your special guest, Jake, wants to play a tabaxi yeah. in the future. Yeah. So um, I recall that one because I thought it was such a funny episode. Um, that's a Cat Lord episode. That's a Cat Lord yeah. episode. And, that, <laughs> and, that, and the Cat Lord is the reason that it makes people, the tabaxi, go on adventures. It's oh, like yeah, one of the only things now. that yes. they get. Wa- what? Oh, I've selected you for Wanderlust. You're reteaching me the thing I taught you. <laughs> I know. It's great, right? Yeah, it's really good. I've retained some information That's from good, doing this podcast. At this point, I feel like I've become a sieve where the, I only hold the information for as long as we need to record. And then the second we're done, it's gone. That's how I felt during the Shar episode. Yeah. I, did not, I did not retain. Oh, all... that sucks. I like the Shar. Well, no, I retained the Shar stuff, but the stuff from before, like um, oh. like the all well, of that. We did Karen Crawler. We did Druid stuff. No, I mean like the lore from Char, like we had covered it with a previous. Oh, with Mistra. Mistra, yes, that's yes, the yes, one. Yes, like yes. I did okay. not really, I remember Mistra, but I didn't retain the lore around Mistra no, other than what that. Mistra did. Right, right. Okay, back so to that. centaurs. Yes, back, back to, to centaurs. centaurs. So those centaurs share the same basic physiology um, between the bands. The centaur bands are commonly associated with their distinctive traits. So Lagona band centaurs tend to be sleek and muscular with powerful legs built for endurance rather than speed, reflective of their lives of generally peaceful, long distance traveling. Um, They usually have coats of a single color, often with a shine that can look metallic in the bright light. Ferris band centaurs, on the other hand, typically have long, nimble legs and lean bodies built for speed and strength. Mm. This is reflective of their lifestyle of rushing and shock troop style raiding. Um, They're often marked with natural color patterns on their hides. Also, ferris centaurs sometimes paint or tattoo their upper bodies to match the patterns of their lower half, which must look wild. That must look super cool. Yeah. Occasionally, a ferris centaur is bored with vertical stripes on their hooves, which culturally is considered to be a foretelling of a exciting adventurous life ahead and there's your no, new hook you were born with weird hooves so you're destined to go out there bro yeah you, <laughs> this guy's got stripes you think he's, he's gonna sh- go out there and find treasure <laughs> do it man that uh these this description kind of reminds me of lionels from breath of the wild mm-hmm. those are like centaur lions they're like horse bottom and like lion topped oh yeah that is what they are yeah yeah and they yeah. have like depending on what level of ex- you have like secret in- experience in that game that levels scales bad guys as you go on progress okay so the lionel color changes right so yeah like i know there's multiple a bunch kinds. of different kinds yeah, yeah. so it kind of reminds me a little bit of some that. of the imagery there yeah. yeah i see that so let's begin by going over one of the over the more peaceful and peace loving group the lagona band the lagona band is not a singular massive herd that travels the plains as one people like the great herd 
herds of hooved beasts of the plains that we're, we're familiar with, and said they are a people of many small merchant family bands called Gurai, or Guros for plural. Yeah, I'll play reggae. I just want to chill. <laughs> These Guros travel the plains year-round, frequently trading with the polis of Miletus, which provides the biggest market for their wares. And they also do business with some of the more secluded polis of, uh, of Satessa and some of the smaller communities within the Akros lands, but maybe not the warlike polis of Akros itself because they're mean. Okay. They're not great. And they don't really like non-humans there. We'll I see. We'll get into that later. Xenophobes. So, yeah. Uh, Lagona centaurs don't work metal, so instead they specialize in making and trading woodwork, uh, the produce of the plains, and woven blankets and clothing to the human polis in exchange for weapons and armor to protect themselves. Oh, okay. So a little... A little you know, a symbiotic relationship there. Nice. That's cool. Um, and I believe Miletus is like, it's kind of like the Athens of this world. So like, they're more like philosophical and economical artsy. and artsy. So like they, they're definitely hungry for that Laguna band. Um, uh, textiles. Textiles. That's the word I'm looking yeah. for. Yeah. So yeah. we need some hot blankets. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, that'd be, I'd be stoked if I needed blankets and these fools ran through. Yeah. Oh, like, it's the blanket clan. Bro, I made these swords. Also, have you heard of horseshoes? It's going to be a little weird for you at first, but <laughs> no, I think you'll like them. Fuck that noise. <laughs> um, the eldest member of each Guros uh, or Gurai typically leads their family. In times of discord, the heads of the Gurai gather to make decisions together. Other members of the Guros work as traders, gatherers, packers, and scouts. Mm. Aguros has several specialized roles required for success in travel and trade. A barterer, an omener, a courser, and preferably, if possible, uh, a role called a coletra. Coletra. So we're going to go over these because these are the specialized ones. Um, a barterer. A, a barterer negotiates deals between the Guros and other traders. Barterers must know the customs of other cultures and speak several different languages. Nice. So okay. that's a pretty cool job. You got to be pretty smart for it because that's a lot of languages you got to learn. Liaison. Yeah. Can't, you got to be sure you're not getting fucking gypped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you probably have to have like a real like high, high charisma, nice personality. Okay, yeah. yeah. So uh, the second specialized job is an omener. An omener is an oracle who reads messages from the gods in the natural world and reveals how the immortals would have the Gros travel. Now, this is very important in Theros because the gods are super involved in everything, and you can see them in the sky at night, which is weird. Yes, but, I remember that. But yeah, so omener are very important. Got to know what the gods want so they don't fuck your shit up. Nice. Uh, a courser uh, explores new trade territory for their Guro or Gurai. They are expert trackers and navigators, able to venture deep into unexplored territory and unerringly return to their families. Now, this one seems less, like, unique or specialized. It's just a scout, but I guess it's kind of implied that there's a supernatural or, like, highly, highly um, uh, master level of scout here because they unerringly return to their families. So, I mean, they're going to be your rangers, I suppose. Yeah, and, I mean, if you're hunter-gathering, which is part of this, I suppose, like... If you're well, making textiles, you need materials. Is that like what these, this is for? These are the scouts they send when they're going to some place they've never been before. Right, right? yeah. So they're probably not gathering. Although they're keeping an eye out for things to tell the gatherers to gather. Exactly. Like, oh, they're just okay. going to explore this new area, take notes. Like, hey, I got poisoned by this. Yeah, so watch, watch out. out for these. Yeah. Stream over here for water, stuff like that, yeah. Ran out of poultices. We need a healer. Right. So <laughs> this is your outlander ranger out here going out and then coming back. That's pretty cool. So finally, every Gurai or Guros, I can't, I can't, the plural is just fucking me up, bro, uh, tries to travel with at least one Coletra. 
uh, one of the mighty well-trained warriors of the Logona who are said to have the blood of the first legendary centaur heroes. Oh, that's Kale- cool. Kaleches are said to bring good luck to a band, but are also usually fated to die in defense of their family. Mm. So, yeah. Double sword. Their family, like their herd, or like their their person? the Gurai, the Gurai. They're a family, right? A family okay, that's, unit. that's yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where was I? So not every Gurai or Guros has a Kaletra of its own, and Gurai share their best warriors amongst each other as a sign of goodwill and way forge bonds. So the, it's weird. So the Kaletra like they fight for their family, but it seems like they also get passed around a lot. So like maybe the whole band is their family. They don't have one Gurai that they. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was kind of trying to, yeah. to grapple with right there. Yeah, so I think it must be the, the whole the Yeah, whole they're crew. societal warriors that yeah. are loyal to the Laguna as a whole versus a singular garage. So basically, like, we need you to do this, go do it. And, yeah. like... A, you got to yeah. uproot from whatever you were doing. Yeah, that guy is going into really dangerous territory, so we're going to send you over to protect them. Mm, you know? Yes. So, okay. So, life in the Laguna Band is not strictly limited to life lived within the construct of the Garos, though. Uh, when young, young Laguna centaurs transition from children into adults, they often leave their band to travel the world on their own as a rite of passage. This time of self-discovery and exploration is called the Protoporos. There are no time constraints or expectations put upon the protoporos. They can last anywhere from a few weeks to several years, and they can lead a centaur to many a varied and varied de- destiny. The Lagona believe that a protoporos helps a young centaur find their place in the world. An omener will read the signs of fortune before sending young centaurs on their way, guiding their first steps of their journey. And while most centaurs will return to their band eventually, some find their permanent calling elsewhere in the world. And when the Logona tend to tell tales of their greatest heroes, they most often speak of centaurs who found their heroic destiny on a protoporos. Do you so, think the omeners got like a bunch of chickens like the Romans mm. did sometimes? And then they had to consult the ancient, the, the, the chickens to like go to war. Oh my God. <laughs> you've been listening, Will told me to, you've been to, listening listen to, to the history, history of Rome, Rome podcast. You're still early in the podcast, but I forgot about the chickens. The chickens, man. <laughs> like, well, this feels very Greek with the omener. Yes, and like it does. They would and do all kinds yes, of stuff. They super not just would chickens. consult the chickens. Yeah. We must consult the chickens. We must consult the chickens. And then you can just, just fuck your chickens, bro. Because that... The, the the episode I listened to, they were like, oh, he must listen to the chickens, and, like, then he and then he lost. lost. Yep. And then he lost. Gotta listen to the chickens. Yep. It was dumb, but then he was dumb. <laughs> and the chickens were smart after all. <laughs> and that's how history remembered it for at least a while. Let's take a show, Red. Yeah. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. 
Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world. That ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey everybody, be sure to check out Super, Super Quest, Quest Saga. Saga! A future fantasy 5th edition D&D actual play podcast homebrewed and dungeon mastered by yours truly, me... And set in space. And I play in it, along with your special guest Jake and friend of the show, Josh Freeland. You can find it on YouTube, iTunes, or anywhere else you can get your podcasts. Super Quest Saga! We've returned. Do we have? Back at it again. <laughs> God damn it. To Gonzo. Right. And we're going to talk about the Pharaoh's Band. Or the Ferris Band instead of the Lagona Band. The Ferris roam the dry wildlands north of the Lagona Band's rolling plains between the polis of Setessa and Akros. They organize themselves in small bands of fierce raiders. Ferris centaurs plunder whatever prey they can find. Merchants and other travelers moving between Akros and Setessa. Settlers trying to eke out an existence in the region. Lean in tribes. Lagona Band centaurs who range too far to the north or any others they encounter. Mm. They're indiscriminate. Uh, these herds are voluntary associations, essentially semi-bandit or gang-organized, in contrast to the more traditional family groups of the Laguna. These bands operate completely independent from each other, uh, but when necessary, several small bands can join together into a larger herd to target particularly dangerous but resource-rich targets, be they humanoid traders or roving greedy monsters. Um, bands also join together to defeat common threats to the control of their territory or to hunt for dangerous game. So it's a biker gang? It's a biker gang, yes. They're, they're rowing biker gangs. They're not as fast as motorcycles, but they're much faster than, than people anything that else can around. Run. Yeah, exactly. You have to be a person on horseback? I suppose so. Although I I would bet the centaur would tend to be faster than a person on horseback because there is actually less weight going on. And uh, faster reaction times because you don't have to like tell your horse what to do. True that, absolutely. Okay. Because you are the horse. I guess we'll find out you when we reread statistical things for movement yeah, in a sure. turn. Absolutely. I bet it's 30 feet. I bet. <laughs> You're probably right. Um, while the Laguna value experiences and wisdom, the Ferris, in contrast, value physical strength, speed, and prowess in both hunting and combat above all other attributes. That tracks. Oftentimes, a Ferris band is a critocratic group. I always struggle with that, that Crit- word. Critocratic. Which is like the strongest rule. Uh, with the lead taken by the strongest and most dominant warrior among the root. Uh, this mightiest of centaurs is traditionally called the Charger. However, some bands have the pragmatism to elevate a tactician or strategist to this venerated position instead of the burliest meathead on the squad. Mm. Uh, though the Ferris have the earned reputation of being both brutal and greedy, uh, loose society, they are clever as well and understand the value of strategic leadership. Yeah, they can't just be... Uh 
you know, roving about doing whatever. They got to know when, the, to, when they, to attack and stuff. Yeah, even though they have their reputation and they kind of earn that reputation, like they're not always like that. Yeah, they they're doing that, but with uh, with some direction. Exactly. If the the wiser groups are. Yeah. Okay. But not all can lead. Other centaurs in Ferris herds fill valuable roles, working as scouts, archers, warriors, and forgers. Furthermore, most Ferris herds contain centaurs that fill specialty positions unique to their people, uh, the caller, and a position called a tromper. Mm. Ferris callers are those with the ability to call nature to their side for assistance, specifically in animal form. Typically, druids or rangers, callers can draw animal allies to their herd's aid. Uh, callers often have one or more animal allies at their side and can speak to animals to learn about the surrounding lands. So they're like this weird blend between ranger and druid. Well, I think it would be cool to like selectively wild shape parts of your body instead of all of your body. Mm -hmm. Like, can I just keep my horse bottom and do the thing up top? You know what I mean? Okay. Like, can I be a centaur bear? I mean. Can I wild shape into bear form? I mean. (laughs) With four big hoovies. That's up to your dungeon master. That's all I'm going to say. Like, what if I, I have to keep a quadruped, so my wild shape has to be a quadrupedal bottom mm-hmm. with, uh, with a, I don't know. What whatever you, you want it, on like top. Torso on top. Whatever you want yeah, on torso. top. Yeah, torso. Yeah, so the, whatever torso, but like, I'm trying to keep it with two appendages, you know what I mean? Like, okay, so like, bear. like arms, like mm-hmm. of a person. Yeah. So, or a bear. Uh, mm-hmm. so like, can we go elephant and, and what's got, I don't know. See this, I'm struggling here. Zebra, goat. Yeah, sure. Whatever, man. Whatever's good. I don't think so. Except I mean, that's up to your DM. <laughs> that's up to your DM. Elephant bottom. Also, I don't know goat, what stat block you would use for Ram that, top. For your elephant goat. And human arms. No, no. That's not how this works. <laughs> and besides, we're not even talking about a transformer. We're talking about someone who calls animal, animals to their side. Oh, okay. That's what the now, caller is, yeah. Oh, okay. I was saying. <laughs> they draw animal allies to their herds. Right. Oh, yeah. oh, that makes sense. Well, Do not we... all druids, tr- like, like, we're so used to Percy and... Circle of the yeah, moon, moon druids. druids. Yeah, yeah. Who a lot primarily, of druids don't do that. Yeah, a lot of druids. Well, circle is the most moon. Circle of the moon's most popular too. Probably. Um, yeah, and it's but what like, you think of when you think. A of lot a druid. of times when druids turn into animals, it's more as a utility, and they're more spell slingers. Anyways. Yeah, like becoming a hawk. Yes, exactly. And then staying in the hawk too long. So the other role is called the tromper. Trompers are the largest, most powerful, and feared warriors of their herd. Centaur legends among the Ferris say that when the gods first fashioned humans from the red mud of the Eldest River, Ferris trompers taught them how to corner and kill prey. The story tells that to repay this debt, humans, as a species, owe the centaurs a portion of all they catch. Of course, the humans do not recall this arrangement because it seems like total bullshit and just an excuse for the Ferris <laughs> to say, uh, to justify their raids and uh, pillaging. Yeah, so, that's, yeah. yeah. But still, like, cool mythos. Yeah. <laughs> So Ferris bands, uh, Ferris band members survive by working and fighting together, but still some centaurs do not find this lifestyle to their liking and choose to strike out on their own. These renegades often feel like outsiders in their own band, black sheep that simply don't belong. They might be pacifists wishing to learn about other people rather than fighting and taking from them. Um, or they might feel a restlessness in their soul that nothing else can soothe, a longing to see the world outside these brutal wilds. Uh, though renegades build their own life away from the band, most retain some connection with their past. Some stories tell of renegades returning to help their band in times of need before disappearing once more. That's wild. Yeah. That is really cool. That is pretty cool. <laughs> like Buff Dan came back out of the woods yeah, to, s- to slay the yeah. dragon. And then, oh, there he goes again. Like see, a, see you another time, Buff I sm- Dan. I smelled the trouble on the horizon right, and I right. came. <laughs> goodbye, everyone. Not even goodbye. He's just gone again. Indeed. 
So there isn't much more written about the two tribes or centaur culture in the Theros setting. Uh, but I figure that before we dive into the centaur stat block, we can do a very brief overview of the three major cities these centaurs interact with in order to paint a more complete picture of their lives. Okay. So starting with Miletus. So Miletus or Miletus is a city-state devoted to learning, philosophy, magic, and progress. It is the most populous city-state and home to progressive thinkers, pious uh, thaumaturges, and wise oracles. Born from the defeat of tyranny, to this day it pursues the ideals of free thought, societal betterment, and reinvention over stagnation and totalitarianism. It is basically a very idealized high fantasy version of the city of ancient Athens. Yeah, I was going to say, like yeah. you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Uh, the people of Miletus take pride in their city's grand architecture, especially the great temples of the gods. Uh, they value any and all pursuits of intelligence and the mind, especially the practice of magic. Miletus's army is known for its discipline and its piety, and its navy is unparalleled. Just, uh, just like Athens, which yeah. is all about the name. So Greek. <laughs> the city observes every one of the gods' holy days in various ways, and most residents residents try to live as the gods demand. Now, Melitus maintains a fragile peace with the centaurs of the Lagona band, engaging in regular trade. It's not uncommon for small groups of centaurs to set up shop in the police market for short periods, though few spend more than a night or two in the city, most finding it claustrophobic at best and horridly swarming at worst. Yeah. So... They got that centaur blood. Yeah, they got that need to... The need to roam. Yeah, need, need for speed. rove that indeed, nature. Indeed. So, Satessa uh, is uh, the next polis we're going to talk about. Satessa uh, is the favorite polis of Karametra, the goddess of harvests. And its buildings blend so perfectly into the forest that surrounds it that it's difficult to tell the difference between the inside and outside of the city's borders. Um, the populace... Populous lives in harmony with the thick forests, terrace farms, and trained animals of Satessa, and they celebrate the cycle of seasons with grand holidays. It's a very nature-based, very mm-hmm. elvenish city, even though it's a human city. Okay. Um, Satessa is also unique among the polis of Theros in that few of its adult residents are men. Women comprise the bulk of the population here, holding almost all the leadership roles and carrying out most of the work. Men are few and far between, mostly performing roles at the polis' edge. Children run freely around the polis. Uh, they're so important, in fact, that Satessa's people take in abandoned children from all over Theros. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. So okay. it's just, it's a very unique society, and it's not like the men are treated poorly or anything. They're just, there is this, and I think I might uh, talk about it here in the notes, but in case I don't, there's like this cultural thing where they, men, in order to live out their like cultural, like uh, expected lives, they're expected to venture out into the world and find themselves kind of deal. And like oh, some return, but most are never supposed to return. Okay, yeah, it's 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 a it's an interesting cultural thing that they came up with. It that. almost reminds me of uh, the Gerudo, like uh, in Breath of the Wild. I've been playing a lot oh, of Breath yeah, of the yeah, Wild, yeah. but yeah. they they you see them all over the place, yeah. like venturing out to find themselves to find a mate. Yeah, to find a mate. Basically, because yeah. yeah, they're looking for there are a lot of them are out looking for love. Yeah, which is funny. They they <laughs> usually hilarious. marry the first guy they find, which oh, is kind of yeah. strange. That is but strange. also, like, don't they outlive the humans by like a long degree too? Then they live a very long time. I'm not sure. That's that's I a think, possibility. Yeah, I think so. Because isn't like the the fur the the queen or whatever or the princess whatever her name is she's like 16 yeah but she's like the size of a normal human while the rest are like giants well yeah she hasn't like grown into yeah, her exactly. own yet. So yeah the, i don't know that gave me the impression that they live a very long time they, yeah yeah but, okay yeah. i don't actually know the but answer to sure. that but, um yeah. but yes it is kind of like that in a in a small way sort of well yeah it's like I, I, I was trying to compare kind it to of a something. reverse way but yeah yeah okay so i, I like it it's so, kind of a cool, interesting feel. 
Yeah. So Tessa doesn't welcome outsiders as a general rule, except for the orphaned and abandoned children brought to live in the polis. Uh, but the polis can be more hospitable to non-human outsiders than to human, uh, especially males from other polis. Uh, some centaurs of the Laguna Band have earned the right to live and trade within Sutessa. So, okay. finally, we end our tour uh, with the walled polis of Akros. This mighty city stands defiantly atop a precipitous cliff. The unforgiving mountains around it serve as a shield between its holdings and the rest of Theros. Few have ever dared attack its famed fortress, the Colophon, and no attack has ever breached its walls. Uh, to the residents of Theros, the Akroans hold a near-mythical status, feared warriors produced by a culture that centers around perfecting the mind and body for war. Trained from birth in every martial discipline known to humankind, their armies are, have rarely tasted defeat as they expand the borders of Akros, seizing new lands and bounty. This is essentially an idealized high-fantasy version of Sparta. Yeah. This so is the, what this is. Is yeah. there a city we're missing for the la the one before Satessa? For Satessa, not one that comes to mind in... In real life, uh, yeah, because Sparta history. and Athens are like you know, yeah, that I mean, was that was baked into my curriculum as right, an American, right? I mean, what there was, uh, what are other ancient Greek cities that are seen? Where's the one that Alexander the Great's from? Oh my god, Macedonia, that's one, that's yeah, one of the Greek cities. Um, there's others, keep going, just keep doing it. Yeah, it's hard right now. I'm tired, it's it's like 11 in the morning, I don't know uh, them. I'd but anyways, be... yeah, Sutessa doesn't fit any of the ancient cities that I can think of, um, but maybe I'm missing one. So where was I? Um, Akros maintains a very standoffish and often hostile stance towards its neighbors, particularly the Minotaurs of Faberos, the Leonin of Oreskos, and the Centaurs of the Ferris Lands. Uh, members of those peoples rarely find a warm welcome in a growing territory. Yeah, they're very anti-non-human. They're, wait, say that they're, again? They're very anti-non-human. Anti yeah, that's it. Oh, okay. oh, yeah. Oh, all right, all right, all right. Notice, like, they hate minotaurs, lion folk, and centaurs. Okay, like, I got you. They just, they really don't like animal people, which is, you know. That's unfortunate. Super unfortunate. They're pretty cool. <laughs> they're, number one, they're pretty cool. Number two, Theros is full of animal people. So I know. Good I like, luck with that. I know a guy that only wants to play animal people. Yes, it's very true. <laughs> all right. Um, any questions about centaurs before you start telling me about the racial stat block? I think all my uh, my questions are like, what's uh, what's up with these stats? I want to know what the stats oh, yeah, is. Let's go over the stat how block. fast they move. Why um, are they medium? Tell me, please. Yeah. Um, so it says right here um, at the top, centaurs. Uh, it's like a quote. You know how they do those quotes descriptions real quick. It says, mm -hmm. "Fuck the police." <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Sorry, I had to oh slip that God. joke in. Uh, okay, centaur traits. <clears throat> Your centaur character has the following racial traits. Ability score increase. Your strength score increases by two, and your wisdom score increases by one. Okay. Centaurs mature in age at about the same rate as humans. Uh, centaurs are inclined towards neutrality. Lagana centaurs tend to be more lawful, while ferris centaurs are often more chaotic. Mm, uh, mm. Centaurs stand between six and seven feet tall, with their equine bodies reaching about four feet at the withers. Uh, Ferris centaurs tend to be slightly larger than Lagona centaurs. Your size is medium. Mm. Here's how you determine your height and weight randomly, starting with a oh, rolling yeah, size have, modifier. I saw that. I saw that. Uh, size modifier is 1d10. Height is six plus your size modifier in yeah. inches. I had to go over that because I was I was trying to compare their size to Forgotten Realm Centaurs. Right. And so I was like, okay, what's the max this can reach? It was about 2,000. Okay, yeah. Yeah, but the lowest was like 600. Well, it says, nice. it says that like Centaurs in Forgotten Realms average 2,100 pounds. 
So yeah. they're distinctly bigger in the Forgotten Realms. Just saying. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. No, you're good. Yeah, weight in pounds is uh, 600 plus 2d12 times your size modifier. So get your calcs out, or if you got that good brain, you know, <laughs> do that. Your base walking speed is 40 feet. Okay, there it sure. Is. Nice. So a dash to 80. Yeah. Um, I wonder how that compares to the monster step book. I'm going to try and pull that up. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I have an elf that can go 80. Mm. Your, uh, your yeah, creature. Yeah, but you have to do things to get that. You do those same things with a centaur, right? Yeah, I only have to do a little bit more. Okay. Uh, so charge. Uh, oh wait, hang on a second. Fey, your creature, your creature type is fey rather than humanoid. That's interesting. So you're a fey creature technically. All right. Right. So charge. If you move at least thirty feet uh, straight toward a target and then hit it with a melee weapon attack on the same turn, you can immediately follow that attack with a bonus action, making one attack against the target with your hooves. And that hoof attack is going to be a natural melee weapon, which you can also uh, use to make unarmed strikes. If you hit them with your, if you hit them, you deal bludgeoning damage equal to one d4 plus your strength modifier instead of the bludgeoning damage normal for an unarmed strike. You found it? I did. Um, so number one, uh, centaurs are a large monstrosity in the monster manual, <laughs> and number so they're not fey, and they're large. Right. But they also have a, a walking speed of fifty feet. I just I just don't understand why you can't be large. Like, why can't we be large wizards? I, there's, why? There's mechanical things about that that make it unbalanced, probably. I don't, I don't care. I don't know what they are. Move on. I'm sure somebody knows what they yeah. are. Yeah. Uh, equine build. You count as one size larger when determining your carrying capacity and the weight you can push or drag. They really want them to be large, but there's something about actually saying it's large that's going to fuck shit up. I think it's because of things like the enlarged spell, because then you could become huge. That would be fun. Which would be awesome. Yeah, that would like, be really I, Why fun. can't we just do awesome things? Why do we got to worry about... The, the balance of the game. I, <laughs> I mean, I understand why. But still. I mean, they, they say do whatever you want right up yeah, front right. all the time. That's how they get away with, like, yeah. uh, like when you come at them, like, why can't I be large? They say do whatever go you ahead. want. Yeah. Do whatever That's you want. True. That's true. All right, go uh, ahead. In addition, any climb that requires hands. Oh, wait, did I read the equine build? You can Yeah, one size larger. Yeah. You can push or drag. Okay. In addition, any climb that requires hands and feet is especially difficult for you That's because you're a fucking, basically a horse. <laughs> Yeah, no uh, climbing sheer cliffs for you. When you, unless you're built like Trogdor, you remember Trogdor? <laughs> I remember Trogdor. He burninates the countryside. Stop giving away our age, bro. He's got the buff arms, he does. though. He does. He does. I love Google Trogdor. Trogdor you don't gotta tell me about Trogdor, especially if you're Gen Z. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> um, go ahead. Uh, let's see. When you make a climb, each foot of movement costs you four extra feet instead of the normal one extra foot. Mm. Yikes! That's that's pretty bad. Yeah, um, and it should be. Yeah, survivor. You have proficiency in one of the following skills of your choice, animal handling, medicine, nature, or survival. Uh, and you can speak, read, and write common and sylvan. That's fun. Mm, mm. Nice. That's cool. Yep. And then uh, that's it. That's it for the centaur. Okay. So pretty cool. Um, I, I mean, I skipped the, like, naming stuff up at yeah, the top. Yeah, I never find that information to be that important. I'm, maybe there's some people out there that... Really into that. No, it's part of the lore. Lagana centaurs tend to favor names of three or four syllables, often borrowed from cultures they have uh, met during their travels. That's okay. cool. That's so fair centaurs tend to have shorter, sharper sounding names, often appended with a honorific gained in battle. Mm. Female Lagona names. Hanatia, or maybe it's Hanosha. And then um, Kelatia, or Kalisha. Uh, Lileo, uh, Melo, or Meloi. Okay. Meloi. I don't know. So somewhat uh, Greekish sounding. Male Lagona names are uh, August or maybe Office. Haha, <laughs> like uh, through Tho, the, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drurios, which that's cool. It's like D R I R I O S. Mm-hmm. And then Ormasus, Ormasos. 
or and then Volien. Mm. And uh, there's also a typo here, D&D Beyond. There's no space between Ormosis, comma, <laughs> what the fuck, Volien. What Unusable. do I pay you for? <laughs> uh, female Ferris names. Beto, Daxa, Saya, uh, Tessia. Those are pretty straightforward. Yeah, they're more sim- simple. Right. T- two-syllable names for the most part. Just like it said. Uh, male Ferris names are Eno, Roth, Skelor, and Sithel. Skelor. Oh, that's almost very, scary. Very close to Skeletor. <laughs> Somebody was thinking about Skeletor. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. They're like, what if I just erase these letters? Uh, Ferris Honorifics. Uh, three kills. <laughs> mm. uh, oh, so that's Thessia three kills. Fe- yeah, that's Thessia badass. three kills. Um, <laughs> the next one says headshot. No, just kidding. That's Skeletor headshot. But it does say, it does say ra- <laughs> it might Man, as well say headshot. Metal. It might as well say that. What did it say? Uh, razor hoof. Skeller um, Razor Hoofs. Uh, These are, this is a biker gang. Unsleeping. What's your biker gang name? Dagger Eye. I'm not making these up anymore. Mine was good, though. Uh, and Silent Step. Basically, anything Halo tells you when you do good at Halo in multiplayer, that could be your Ferris like Honorific. Three kills, Razor Hoof, Unsleeping, Dagger Eye, and Silent Step. I haven't played Halo since, like, Halo 2, bro. So. Kill shot. Okay. Uh, triple kill. Okay, yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. Uh, fucking unbelievable. <laughs> you know, whatever. Now I'm picturing like a, a killing spree. Central Ranger with with an archer. Every time he gets a headshot. <laughs> headshot. Triple kill. <laughs> like, I love this character. Skeller, Razor, Razor Hoof, or whatever. Rampage. All right. I think we can get ready for a long rest. Let's do that. We got a beholder to build. <gasps> <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to The Long Rest. We're back at it, building a beholder. That's what we're doing. It's almost mm-hmm. done. Um, today it, it we is. are adding... Is this uh, the ninth? Are we on the ninth feature now? Which one is it? Yeah, I think it's this one and whatever we do next and we're done. Okay, let's see. Or, we got or am I one, two, three... Don't count the beholder episodes. I'm not. Okay. I'm not. I'm not. Because we did Leon and we got Roar... Okay, okay, okay. One, two, three, uh, four, and then five... Six, seven, eight. So this is number this nine. This is number nine. It's this episode and, and next, next episode, episode. And then and the beholder is done. Oh, wow. Oh, we're not ready. We better get ready. Uh, yeah. Because we're recording that right after this. Yes, we are. Uh, okay. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about it. Today we talked about centaurs from the Theros universe. So we're going to use a feature and a uh, and an ability from them. So we are going to take... Um, the feature is going to be the honorific. We decided yes, that the Ferris Ban uh, honorific. The Ferris We're giving honorific. this beholder the honorific headshot. Headshot. <laughs> Thank you, so whatever Microsoft. We, whatever we Thank name you, it, it'll be blank name, comma, headshot. Headshot, yeah. Okay. So that it gets an honorific. It's yes. not like a physical feature that you can see. <laughs> but it totally But it's is. one you're going to know. Yeah, absolutely. Because when it beams you in the face, it's going to say the thing. It's going to sure, open its, beak, its turtle beak mouth and say headshot. Yes. And it's going to reverb real nice. Absolutely. So what's the beam? Tell them about the beam, bro. Okay, guys, get ready for this shit because all we really got out of this stat block for beam stuff is a charge attack. Um, this It's actually a charge feature. A charge feature, but it's, uh, yeah. It does end with a melee attack, yeah. Yeah, it does end with the melee. So the um, you're gonna have to help me with the description because like, okay, this is how I picture it. Number one, we're calling it the hoof beam. Hoof beam because out of this, <laughs> out of this beholder's ninth eye comes a a, a leg. beam of light <laughs> that basically is the shape of a horse leg ended <laughs> in a foot, and it just charges right at the enemy that you've aimed it at, and it hoofs them right in the face. Yeah, 
And th <laughs> does the charge feature knock someone down? Is that what it does? What does uh, the charge feature do? It's going to do whatever the charge feature does. So, like, we have to decide because the charge feature says if you move 30 feet straight toward a target and then hit and it with the a beam, melee weapon. The beam probably, th this is a melee weapon. It's a hoof leg. Well, you have to hit it with a melee weapon, and then on the same turn, you follow it with a bonus action, and that's the hoof attack. Oh, like it's an extra hoof attack? Okay. Yeah, so the hoof attack's the extra thing. So I think if if we keep the bite attack on the beholder, if if the beholder bites, it can fire the hoof beam also the, as a bonus action. But then the hoof action. beam won't travel 30 feet. I think it should just be the hoof attack. Yeah, I think it's the hoof attack. It's just the beam. That, just a, so it's not the charge feature. It's, it's, it's a just the hoof attack. Yeah. So hooves are... Um, the natural melee weapon you can use to make unarmed strikes. Uh -huh. If you hit them, you deal bludgeoning damage equal to 1d4 plus your strength modifier okay. instead of the bludgeoning damage for a normal unarmed strike. Okay. Does this knock them prone? Well, let's have this knock them prone. Yeah, it should do a little yeah. more. Yeah, exactly. Hoof, um, hoof beam. Hoof beam. It does a d4 plus the beholder's strength. Which and I knocks them prone. And knocks them prone. <laughs> That's our own Dungeon Cast flavor. All right, we did so it. You have it. There's headshot. Whatever this... The holder's name is, which we'll have to figure out next episode. Yeah. Or the episode not. after. Or the episode after. Because that's just a beholder episode, right? No, it's no, not. No, it's not. We have we're to start the new beholder. We have to today. name this beholder next episode. We do. We do. Um, we're, we're almost there. We're almost there. Okay, guys. Um, check out Super Quest Saga and other projects that we do. Because, um, <laughs> like, Will's got a new thing. And uh, we have got Patreon, which yeah. has stuff. Also, I think this is the last episode before the contest ends. Oh, we're nice. giving away Candle Keep Mysteries. Yeah. So get in on that contest. Get on Twitter. Share an episode of one of our shows with the hashtag DungeonCast. Get on Instagram. Do what the Instagram post says there. And uh, we'll be pulling uh, two names, one for Instagram, one for Twitter, on the 16th. And we'll be sending you uh, your prize as soon as we can. So on next episode, we'll tell them this is your last chance? No, this, this episode, episode is their last chance. This is your last chance <laughs> to get the fuck in there, guys. Yeah. Tell somebody so about the Dungeon book. Cast because that really helps us. Indeed, it does. Leave an iTunes review. That really, really helps. I love seeing those come in. A um, uh, quick after note. Uh, thank you to everybody that leaves very simple YouTube comments that just say thank you. Oh, yeah, like, that's thanks. great. Those are my that. faves right they're, now. They're really nice. You guys though. are awesome. Yes. Um, thanks thank for you. all the support and for like, words of encouragement to tell us to keep going. Um, Indeed. They mean a lot, actually. They really like, do. We see those and we're like, okay, maybe we will keep going. Yeah, they're, they're actually, always... we definitely will keep going. Yes, we definitely will keep going. But yes, those <laughs> also very much brighten my day. Yeah, the, uh, those are really nice. There's literally just somebody that just says thank you. Yeah, like on, I love that. I yeah. forgot. I, was, I would say I your username, but I one. forgot. But I, I remember <laughs> you when I see you. Indeed. Um, and several others that do the same thing. Um, that's that's really nice. Mm -hmm. Appreciate it. Um, thanks for coming on the lore journey. That being said, I think we can call it a game. Let's call it a game. We'll talk to you guys later. Goodbye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. 
Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.